And today is so exciting. Celebration Sunday. It's, it's an exciting time for our church. If you weren't here last week, we've been celebrating, really. Um, we celebrated last week the unanimous adoption of our bylaws and the election of our new board. And for the first time since 2004, we are once again a sovereign, autonomous, self-governing Assembly of God Church, which is really exciting. Yeah. At our business meeting, we celebrated some incredible growth. In 2018, we saw an increase of 400%, and that was great. We already really celebrated that. But would you believe that in 2019, you probably would because we're looking around today, we're seeing even more growth. In fact, uh, we've had over 100 people, I said in the first service, for the last five weeks, but today makes it the last six weeks. And uh, if you guys keep it up, it's going to become a habit. But that's awesome. Prior to those six weeks, we've never had over 100 people, even on back-to-back -back Sundays. So this is pretty awesome. Come on, put your hands together and, uh, and get excited. Today, at the conclusion of our service, we're going to celebrate some baptisms and and we get excited about baptism. We celebrate them really big. In 2019, we celebrated nine people that uh, made the decision to be baptized. And that was really, really exciting. Well, today, and I want to I remind you, it's only March 10th, okay? It's only March 10th. Today, we're baptizing people. In fact, we already baptized people number five and six. And in this service, we're going to baptize number seven, eight, and nine. We're going to match already our totals from 2018 already in 2019 on March 10th. Get excited about that. We also just got word in the last week or so, really in the last seven to 10 days, that an organization outside of our church body is donating $1,000 to help us offset the cost of the roof that we paid for primarily out of our general fund that we weren't expecting to have to replace, but we did. So this organization that doesn't, it's not even here in Laramie, it's not a part of our church, never been to our church, they are do donating at least $1,000, possibly uh, a second $1,000 as well. So we just want to say thank you to the Rural America Ministry Network. And also, if you want to help us offset that cost, it was $16,000, uh, our building fund Sundays next week, and you can give toward that as well. But how many are excited about $1,000? That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And not to belittle the $1,000, but also in the last 7 to 10 days, we got word that another organization, I Heart Wyoming, which is in fact from another church, Element Church in Cheyenne, they've donated in the last several years over $10,000 to us for outreach and, and projects in our community. And they once again notified us this last week that they are donating $5,000 for outreach specifically to help with our tailgating and our backpack giveaways that we do. Another $5,000. I don't know if you guys are tired of celebrating. I got a couple more pieces of good news. I can save it for later if you want. Nah, let's go. Okay. Last summer, we had a team of people uh, from Beggs, Oklahoma. They came here on a missions trip. We stole two of them. In fact, they're sitting back there on the very back row looking at us. They did BBS and a number of community service projects that really blessed our church and our community. This is the home church of Jacob and Sierra. A couple weeks ago, I got a call from their pastor, and their church in Beggs, Oklahoma was blessed by somebody that wanted to buy them a new van. And so they, in turn, wanted to bless somebody with their old van, and they said, you know what? How about New Life in Laramie? We were there, we were part, so they have, have called us. It's an older model van, but they want to donate that van to us. So four months ago, we didn't even have a church van, and now we've got a, a, a fairly new church van out there at another church van camp. We're gonna have two vans, yeah. complete gifts, it's amazing. <laughs> then a few weeks ago, 
We're still celebrating. <laughs> Don't stick with me. Come on, guys. I know it's time change, but this is exciting stuff. A few weeks ago, I got a call from some pastor friends of ours in Colorado Springs, and they saw how amazing the trip was that Jacob and Sierra and their group from Vegas had and, and how, how amazing the, the things that they did, the VBS that they did, and the service projects and all that kind of stuff. So they called and said, hey, can we do the same thing and come in summer 2019 and do a missions trip to Laramie and do VBS and all those kinds of things. And so July 21st through 27th, we're going to have another team here to help serve our community, to do outreach, and to do VBS. That's awesome. And I told them they were more than welcome to come, but we expected them to donate a church van to us when they were done and leave us two people as awesome as Jacob and Sierra. Would you just celebrate that, that, that that's exciting. That's awesome. Any one of those things would be tremendously exciting, but all of those together is, is awesome. And finally, there's one more thing that we want to celebrate today. Um, we want to celebrate a volunteer like we do every Celebration Sunday. We're celebrating someone today who does a lot. Um, someone who has served multiple nights of the week for different activities that are going on here. Um, this person, she serves, she cooks, she cleans, she takes out trash, she comes to uh, evenings of the week. Where, there it is, Donna Aguilar. Yeah. It's so much surprise. This lady, for several, for several months, for maybe over a year, has come on Wednesday nights faithfully. She doesn't have kids here. Wednesday is all just about kids. Recently, her grandson has started coming. But she comes and prepares the food, cleans the dishes, takes out the trash, all that kind of stuff. Then women's Bible study started a few weeks back. She also stayed at the end of that. One of the first people here to help prepare and set up and one of the last people to leave. She serves as a greeter in many different areas of our church. She's been a part of this church for, for an extremely long time. So would you guys once again just put your hands together and express our appreciation to Donna. We've got a card for you. We love you. Sorry that I couldn't find a picture that didn't have him in it, but I did what I could. awesome. Seeing what God is doing with his church, with his church, it's almost unbelievable. Seriously, every time something happens, I get excited. I get excited like a kid on Christmas. I'm like, really? Seriously? You're giving us a van? Like, phone rings? You're giving us $1,000? Phone rings? You're giving us $5,000? And I just blown away. And I just, I stop and I ask God, how, how are you going to top this? And he does. And then I say, God, what's next? What's next that you're going to continue to do? I think every Celebration Sunday, I think, man, next, next Celebration Sunday, we're not going to have anything to celebrate. We celebrated everything. What else could God do? And continually, every couple months, there's more. More people being baptized. More children being dedicated to the Lord. More people becoming members of the church. More incredible things happening in our church. And so today, I want to talk to you about never settling for where you are, never settling for less than God's best. And really, it's part two of last week's message. Last week, we talked about becoming the church that God can bless. And we do that by trusting his promises, by accepting our responsibility. We do that through our response of obedience to his word. We talked about Abraham at 75 years of age, was called by God in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12, <coughs> to leave it all and take a leap of faith and go to a place that God would show him. 
God attached three promises of Abraham were to obey him. And in verse 4, without hesitation, without delay, we saw Abraham just immediately respond. And he went. He departed. He left. It's incredible. He obeys God and leaves everything. Today, as much as we're celebrating all these things that God has done, we celebrated communion and remembrance of, of what he's done in the past, the freedom that he bought for us with his blood. We sang the song, there's more to come. We clapped and cheered at all these big things that God is doing. But I want to talk to you today about becoming the church that does not settle. If you'll turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, you can turn uh, literal pages, or if you have an electronic device, you can uh, follow along in the Bible app, the Version Bible app. There's a live events that has our notes and scriptures, if you'd like. You can follow along that way as well. Genesis chapter 15. This message today is one that we all need to hear and that we can all really relate to because there's times in our lives where we begin to settle. There's a settling that takes place. There's a feeling that things really aren't going to get better than they currently are. And that hope for anything better than what we have is going to only lead to disappointment. Some of you may have experienced this at some point in your life. Some of you may be there right now. So maybe there was a time in your life where you really believed that God was going to move. You knew that God would answer your prayers. Your life was led and directed by the Spirit of God. Life was good. Miracles were happening. There was a time in your life where you were moving forward and believing God for big things, but something happened. I don't know if it's a season of life, I don't know if it's a rut that you've gotten into, or things going on around you, you just found yourself in a place that you easily began to settle for where you were. You find yourself looking up to God and saying, God, are you going to move? God, are you going to do anything? God, do something. God, are you even there? Maybe you've even found yourself in a place where it's easy for you to see and believe that God is doing big things in other people's lives. Other people around you are being blessed. Other people around you are having their prayers answered. Other people around you are seeing miracles and you get excited and you celebrate with them. You see what God's doing at New Life Church and you can celebrate with them. But when it comes to your own life, it's not so easy. This settling can take on a bunch of different looks. Maybe you're a single person here today. Do we have any single people here? And you're here saying, I hope to be married someday. Can I get a witness? <laughs> see what I mean? Perfect. The single ladies are in here saying, I have faith that God's going to bring me a man of God. And also one that's good looking and tall yes. and lean. But you know, not too tall or too lean. But also one that has a credit score above 700. Yes. And likes walks on the beach. Woods. Come on. God, bring me that man of God. Can I get a witness? Amen. But five years later, God... Would you just bring me a man that, well, never mind. Just bring me a man. Someone that was born a man. A job would be a blessing. I mean, it's optional, but just bring a man. So we have kids in here today, so I probably need to move on. I need some of their help, though. we got some new life bucks. We'll just transition. Get my pen. I want to ask our kids today, I need some of them that want to earn some new life bucks can answer a question. I need someone, someone in the back. I picked on these girls earlier. Come on, Cora, come on down here. What is a big dream, this could be dangerous also, but what is a big dream that you have for your life? Something you'd like to become, does he happen? A scientist. A scientist, that is really cool. How many of you be cool to be a scientist? Okay, but just for a moment, just 
you couldn't be a scientist. Instead of being that, would it be okay just being a janitor and cleaning toilets? Hey, there's yes. Yes. <laughs> Anything to get me money. <laughs> Anything to get me money. We got a practical one here. Okay, what about what about instead of being a scientist, what if you could just be a plumber? I'd be fine with that. How about a garbage man? Like I said, anything that gets me money. Man, thank you for your help. Never settle like that. Our first service kids weren't willing to settle for, for less. But you see, some of us have, been pray, have prayed prayers and we've been left saying, God, I pray that you would do something for her and you didn't. God, I prayed that you'd do something for him and it never happened. Or you say, God, I, I prayed for something big and I haven't seen it happen yet, but I'm comfortable with this pretty average life. God, you've called me to be a scientist, but I'm making money cleaning toilets. So this is good enough. I guess I'm okay with the way that things are. Now, if God's called you to clean toilets, to be a janitor or a plumber, there's nothing wrong with those things, but I'm talking about settling for less than God has for you. I came to bring a message to us of hope and faith to those that have lowered your expectations of God based on the circumstances that you've walked through. And I made a statement at the end of the message last week, and I challenged you to never underestimate what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I believe someone's going to be awake. Someone's going to hear that. I know we, we lost an hour. There's time change, and we're all kind of a little bit sleepy. But I believe that someone's going to wake up and say amen, because this is good. Never underestimate what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Amen. Got to work with me. Because, see, that clock still says it's 1056. So, I mean, if you work with me, I'll work with that clock. It'll be good. Never want to get at lunch. I know I sent you to Genesis 15 a long time ago, but I want to take you to that story now. Story of Abraham and Sarah, just three chapters beyond where we were last week. God told Abraham to go. He went. Before he received anything, he made an altar to thank God in advance. It was such a happy ending, it seemed. But here we are just a couple chapters later. Abraham and Sarah find themselves in a great time of disappointment. They wanted to have a baby. In fact, for God to fulfill his promises to them, they would have to have a baby. They knew that God could do it. They had hope. But for some reason, they could not conceive. You know how it is. All your friends are popping out babies right and left. You're trying to get pregnant. Everyone else is pregnant, having baby showers, putting sonogram pics on their Instagram. I mean, their friends just look at each other and get pregnant. And here's Abraham and Sarah. They're waiting with nothing. God had promised to make a great nation out of Abraham. He had to trust and obey. Just do what I say. I'll make you the father of many nations. In Genesis 12, he's like, Sarah, we're going to move. God's going to do big things. God's going to give us a baby. Yes, we're excited. They Googled popular baby names in 2200 BC. They made a list of the top three boy names and the top three girl names. They planned a gender reveal party. They moved. They built an altar. But in Genesis 15, let's see what happens. It says this in Genesis 15, verse 1. Sometime later, Easy to read over that. It's big. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I will protect you, and your reward will be great. 
Sometime later. How long is sometime later? From Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 15, it might only be the turn of one page in your Bible. How much time could that possibly be? How long has passed since God said, we're going to have a baby to the extreme disappointment of not having it? I mean, it looks like it's not been that long. We don't know exactly, but most scholars believe it's about nine or ten years. From Genesis chapter 12, when Abraham departed, to Genesis 15. At age 75, God makes a promise, and a decade later, at age 85, Sarah is there holding up the pregnancy test saying, well, not this month, not the next month. A decade passes. Abraham's probably thinking, God, are you there? God, I'm not getting any younger. Probably at times in great faith, he had said, God said it, I believe it, it's going to happen. But then over the course of a decade, there were probably a lot of moments like what we see in verse 2, where Abraham replies and says, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? God, were you even really telling me that you were going to do all this? God, did I make it up? Did I move out here for nothing? And Abraham does what we're all tempted to do. He lowered his expectation of what God would do for him. I believe that just like Abraham, there's people in the service today that you've made the same decision. As a result of the way things have happened, you've lowered your expectation of what God wants to do in your life. You've lowered your expectation of what God will do, of what God's able to do, of how he's going to move and fulfill that promise. But I want you to, to know we must never underestimate what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Our problem is that we're human. We have a limited perspective on things. We plant a seed and we can't see what's taking place. We think in simple terms. We think plant a seed, eat a piece of fruit. We think in addition, but God thinks multiplication. When you plant a seed in faith, there's something happening beneath the surface in a realm that you cannot see. And all we think about is I want to plant a seed so I can get a piece of fruit. But before the seed produces fruit, it has to take root. All this happens below the surface in ways that we will not see. We ask God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And God is saying, I'm answering it, but it's happening in ways that you cannot see right now. So we have Abraham back in our story sometime later saying, God, what good are blessings when I don't even have a son? And in verse 8, he asked God, how am I supposed to know that what you promised will really even happen? How many of you ever thought that or said that, verbalized it to God? I need some more of our kids that want to earn some new life bucks to come up here and help me tell the story today. I need two boys, maybe three boys, those three right there, come on, Damien, Jackson, Sam, and a girl, Cheyenne, come on, come on over here. All right, so let's, let's, let's sort this out. We got we to gotta get this together. This is for New Life Bucks, so this is big. I need an Abraham. All right, Abraham, go over there. I need, uh, I need a servant, Eliezer. Come on, go over there. I need a god. Oh, right, he's here. You just stand right here. I mean, those dance moves, hold on. I need a Sarah. Did you guys give it up for, for our team today to help us? Okay. So I'm going to talk about what's going on. And you guys are going to act it out, right? You know who you are, right? Everybody's good with that? Okay. Um, so God tells Abraham. Come on over here, Abraham. God tells Abraham to go. Go. <laughs> so Abraham goes. But wait. God tells Abraham, I want you to take your wife, Sarah. I want you to take Sarah. 
Sarah, come on over here. I want you to take your wife, Sarah, and go. Go. <laughs> but wait. God tells Abraham, I want you to take all your servants. I want you to take Eleazar, the servant, and everything you have. Take your wife, Sarah, and I want you to go. I want you to take everything you have and go. <laughs> all right, so they gather everything together. But wait. God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a baby. <laughs> awesome. So Abraham obeys. So him and Sarah, a few, sometime later, come on over here, Abraham and Sarah. Sometime later, Abraham, he asks his wife, Sarah, are we having a baby? No. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> sometime later, Abraham asks his wife again, so are we having a baby? <laughs> I imagine it went on more time. Sometime later, Abraham asks his wife again, Are we having a baby? Are we having a baby? No! <laughs> so Abraham tells God, What's going on? What's going on? Sarah isn't having a baby. And when I die, my servant Eleazar is going to inherit everything I have. Did you guys give them a big hand today? Our kids' church has a store that's open on Celebration Sunday, and these bucks, I can get them to do just about anything. This is a familiar story for many of you. Maybe you've never even read or heard this story before, but for many of you, for a decade, you've been praying. Now you're at the point saying, God, I don't, I don't see anything. God, I don't see you working. God, I'm not married yet. God, I'm in, I'm in debt and I can't pay this month's bills. God, this doctor's report isn't good. We pray prayers and we never realize that if God met all of our expectations the way we want, that he'd never have a chance to exceed them. Verse 5 tells us that God took Abraham outside. Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. See, Abraham had been inside of a tent, and I got a picture here of what I imagine his tent may have looked like back in that time. Abraham's inside of his tent, and he's, he's trying to, to see the promise of God. And I don't know about you, but being inside of a tent isn't a great place to have very good vision. I mean, look inside what you might have seen, something like this inside the tent. Abraham is. He's inside there. He says, God, I can't see what you're doing. And God says, you have to go outside. You have to go outside. Abraham is having a vision in his tent in the middle of the night. I don't know about you, but my vision is limited from inside a tent. God takes Abraham outside and his vision is expanded. God shows him the stars and Abraham realizes that while he was thinking about a son, that God was thinking about nations. They were so upset that God wasn't answering their prayer and their time and the way they wanted, and they were missing out entirely what God was preparing to do. Have you ever thought about the fact that hummingbirds and vultures, they fly over the same area of land? Vultures, they see dead, rotting carcasses. They feed on, on the things that were. They feed on the past, on, on things that are gone. But hummingbirds, they see beautiful flowers filled with sweet nectar. Vultures, they feed on the past. They feed on the dead and gone. Hummingbirds feed on what is fresh, fresh life, new life. Both birds fly over the same area of land. 
And both birds find exactly what they're looking for, and so will you. We need to have our vision expanded. We've got to change our views. Galatians 3.29 says, Now that you belong to Christ, you're the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Abraham and Sarah were thinking about a child, and God was thinking about you. He was thinking about us. He was thinking about nations. Don't ever measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectation. God wants to do more. You have to change your perspective. Your, your human limited vision is just that it's limited, but God wants to take you outside and show you the stars. Yeah. You say, I don't see God working, but that doesn't mean that God's not working. You just can't see it because you're inside your tent. Never underestimate what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. Never underestimate what God may produce through a single prayer prayed in faith, through a single offering given in faith, through a single act of kindness done in faith, through a single act of serving done in faith. Some of you are worried about your kid because of the decisions they're making, and you just wish that they wouldn't smoke weed, but God sees them as a future leader and a world changer. God's worried more than just about one condition. He's worried about their entire outcome, and he's doing something greater than you can imagine. Some of you just want to not be drowning in debt and want your bills this month to be paid, but God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be a tither and a generous person that he can bless others through. You're thinking about the immediate need, and God's thinking about needs for years to come that he wants to meet through you as a result of your faithfulness. Change your perspective and begin to think big. Not only must we change our views and understand that God's plan is bigger, but we've got to change our cues. Abraham started off so good. He's the father of faith. Remember, God said to go, and he went. He didn't delay. There was no hesitation. He built an altar to thank God in advance. So what happened? Well, what happened is what happened to us. He got tired of waiting. God, are you ever going to do what you promised? And this wouldn't be the last time that he got tired of waiting. In fact, the very next chapter, maybe a year later, the Bible says when Abraham was 86 years old, he would get tired of waiting on God's promise again. And instead of waiting for the big thing that God wanted to do, he tried to force it on his own and had a child with Hagar his servant. Sometimes, like Abraham, we get tired of waiting to see God do what we want him to do. We are good when God says, let's go, but not so good when God says, now wait. If we force it in our time, we're going to miss God's cues. We can't base what we do on our timing, but on God's. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I've, I've heard this verse a million times, and I often focus on let's not become weary in doing good. And that's great. But don't miss that it's at the proper time, in God's time, that we reap a harvest only if we don't give up. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he's patient with you. God's working something in us that we may not be able to see. It may be happening beneath the surface, but it's happening in God's time. It's happening. Finally, we have to determine to never settle. Never settle for less than everything that God has in store for you. Jesse, if you want to go ahead and come. Never settle. Never accept for a second that our best would come close to a replacement for God's best. Why is it we make ourselves content with the least instead of God's best? Don't lower the bar in regard to the promise that God has made to you. Don't settle for less than your healing. Don't settle for less than your finances. Don't settle for less than your relationship with him. I guarantee you that if you skip lunch today and just have a Diet Coke, you won't be satisfied for long. It's not an adequate replacement. It's not going to come close to satisfying your hunger. 
But how many times do we do that in our spiritual lives? God's offering us his best. God's promised us something incredible. Are we willing to wait for it or receive the promise of God? Or are we going to settle for something that doesn't measure up? Instead of security, we try to have it with money. Instead of in God, instead of knowing our identity in Christ, we try to find it in what we do. Instead of being in awe of the things of God, we turn to cheap thrills. Instead of purpose and worshiping God, we create idols. Today, there's some people here that are not willing to settle for less in their lives. They want everything that God has for them. This morning service, as already mentioned, we baptized two people. Just a minute, I'm going to go ahead and have those that are going to be baptized to go ahead and, and begin to prepare. We have three people today that have determined they aren't going to settle for less than God's best in their lives. They want to go after everything that God has. They want to follow Him in obedience. We've got a short video that we're going to show you of what you missed from first service, and then we'll move forward with our baptisms in the service. Check this out. is he who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. I'm going to move this out of the way. I'm going to ask Jesse just to begin to lead us in the song that we ended with just a minute ago. We're going to prepare them. They're going to share just briefly with us and then they'll be baptized here in just a minute. But would you just reflect on all that God wants to do today? God who brings the dead 
Sierra, based on your profession of faith and your confession in front of God and these witnesses today, it's my privilege and honor to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Family, a big, a big hand. Uh, today we had, we had two families, but today we made a determination to say, you know what, I'm not going to settle for less than God's best. Today we've talked about changing our views, changing our cues, and never settling. And I wonder today, those of you that are here in this room, if there's anyone that has settled for less than God's best. You've gotten impatient gotten tired, you turned to cheap counterfeits, but today you're ready for something real from God. Today I want to challenge you to be as bold as these guys here today. I want to challenge you to, to not settle for less than God's best. Today I'm going to invite everyone here to pray with us. And today if you're in a place where when you walked in here today that God is not the Lord of your life, that he wasn't number one inside of you. Today, maybe you were in a place at one point where you were close to God, but there's distance has come in. The best way to describe it is there's, there's now a gap between you and God. Maybe at one point you had a strong relationship with Him, but you got tired of waiting on God to fulfill that promise and you, you settled for less than His best. Today, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe it's for the first time, or maybe because of that distance, you're recommitting your life to Christ. You're making a declaration similar to what these guys did. Just saying, I'm, I'm making God number one. I don't care who knows it. I'm going to share it with everybody. I'm going to invite everyone here to pray along with me. Just a simple prayer. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. There's nothing magical. There's nothing special about these words. It's just obedience to what the word of God says. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, I invite you to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way for me to have life. I don't want to settle for less than best. Today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that when he died on the cross, he died for my sin. And today I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord. Every head still bowed, every eye still closed, just a private moment. If you're here and you said, you know what, I walked in here today and I've either never prayed that prayer, Jesus has never been Lord of my life, or he, I used to have a strong relationship with him, but I've allowed distance to create separation. But today I prayed that prayer and I made Jesus the Lord of my life. It's the beginning of my relationship with him. If that's you today, would you just slip up a hand right now and say, I prayed that prayer and made Jesus Lord of my life. I made things right between me and God. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Anyone else today? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. You know what? We just set off Celebration Sunday in heaven. The Bible tells us that when one sinner returns to God, when one person makes things right between themselves and God, that heaven rejoices and celebrates. And we should too. But before we do it, is there anyone else here today? I don't want to drag this out and, and delay it, but I don't want to miss anyone. Today you prayed that prayer and made things right between you and the Lord. Is there anyone else? 
simply slip your hand up and write back down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anybody else here today? It's about eight or nine people today that made that decision to make Jesus number one in their life. Thank you, sir. Number number of hands up all over this room. Would you just celebrate with me, along with all of heaven, what God's done today in this place? Put your hands together and celebrate. that God's ways are bigger and better than our ways. We've got to reject the cheap counterfeits by knowing what's real and not settling for less. We've got to patiently trust that God is working whether we see it or not. Would you stand with me all over this room? Would you just open your hands and just open them in a receiving position just like this? And just say, God, I don't want to settle. Give me everything that you have. And remember that if God met all your expectations in your way, there'd be no way for him to exceed your expectations. God's moving on your behalf. God's working in ways that you cannot see. Maybe beneath the surface, and maybe not in the time that you'd like to see it happen, but God is working on your behalf. Would you just declare this song one more time? We're going to dismiss here shortly. But let's just let's just sing this as the anthem to the Lord, a declaration of ourselves to him. We believe, God, there's more. There's more to come. There's more to come in your life. There's more to come in your family. There's more to come in this church. God's got more for you today. Come on.